it's my pleasure to open the event tonight with uh, a conversation with Olivera Simic. Olivera is a, a feminist, a human rights activist, and academic at Griffith, where she teaches international law and transitional justice. Originally from the former Yugoslavia, Olivera has lived and studied in Eastern and Western Europe, the USA, and South America. She's widely published in academic circles and has a doctorate of law from the University of Melbourne. In 2013, she won the Australian Peace Woman Award from the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. We're here tonight to talk about her recent book, Surviving Peace, a political memoir. More than usually, perhaps, though, it's hard to know where to start to talk about this book. Be this is because it provides uh, a way into an understanding of the ramifications of the civil war in Oliveira's country, her former country, and any discussion of that is complex and hard to sum up in just a few words. Moreover, it's only through an understanding of what informed that civil war, well, this is how it seems to me, and how it played out that the issues that she's addressing can be spoken about. But let's try in a way. Oliveira was born in Bosnia-Herzegovina, a state within the larger state of Yugoslavia. When she was a teenager, the country began a process of self-destruction, which formally ended with the beginning of the NATO, with a bombing by NATO in 1999, but which has continued in the relations between individuals, both in the wider society and within families. Oliveira has made it her life work to write about the effects of this war, and in this book she takes a more personal stand, refusing to be dispassionate about it, wanting to talk about how it's affected her and the others that she knows. So please welcome Oliveira Simic to Millennium. So Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, everyone, for coming. Olivera, one of the, the central themes of this book is the question of whether or not, in the minds of some people, you should be writing it at all. Uh, whether or not you, as a Serbian, should be recounting the atrocities, should, should be concentrating on the atrocities committed, sorry, whether you, as a Serbian, should be recounting the atrocities committed by Serbians and not concentrating on the depredations uh, suffered by the Serbs themselves. Can, can you talk to that for a, for a minute? Um, <clears throat> I think uh, that uh, many um, Serbian people have focused on that other issues, talking about the crimes committed against Serbs. So I think taking this other path or other way to writing about crimes committed by the Serbs or by your own group, I found more challenging. And I found more responsible, so I have this moral responsibility to, take, to talk about the crimes committed by my own group and go in a way against mainstream uh, in my own community and against my family, and against my community, and against uh, my friends, or the thinking of many of my friends. It has been really challenging. Mm. So, uh, I mean, do you think one of the, the things that I got while I was reading your book was that um, I, I wondered if this was something to you with, with, with you being a woman, in particular, that you were prepared to look at these issues? Um, I think, um, and as we know, that women have um, different experience of peace and they have different experience of war and their roles are different in peace and they are different in war. So I was um, almost drafted in the war as well. My brother was in war and I was about to be drafted and that was actually the point where my parents decided to put me on the bus and send me to the country where I had no one actually and I ended up in refugee camp in the neighboring country. So. Um, my brother was uh, 
has never talked about the war, and I cannot imagine him writing about the war. He's a war veteran. He never spoke about his experiences. And maybe um, uh, women are more open to talk about it, their experiences, but to talk about traumatic experiences, regardless whether you are a man or a woman, you need some time to be able to talk about them. You need to go through some process of healing. And my mother, she's also a woman, but she has never been able really to talk about her experiences because every time she starts to talk about her experiences of sending her son into the war and me basically in the refugee camp and not knowing whether, in particular, whether he is alive, um, he, she was never um, able to talk about this without crying, without serious panic attacks. So uh, for me, it was very hard for probably decades. I was not able to speak and write, and then after 15 years, in 2004, 2005, so after 15 years, war ended in Boston in 1995, I started to write about my experiences. I was um, doing a um, gender and peace building master degree in Costa Rica, and uh, we were asked by uh, one of the professors to write reflectively about our experiences, and that's how I started to write, and that's how I started for the first time, I started to write a lot. And to go into that thinking, into that mind, and into that memories, which for a long time I tried to neglect, I just tried to run away. I mean, I was in the survival mood after the war, I was refugee, uh, trying to survive, you know, it was, you know, um, the country was poor, I was on my own, but then I found myself in this beautiful country on the other part of the world in Costa Rica in this beautiful place and I had all this time, space and distance from my own home and we had the Bosnia-Herzegovina as a case study for all wars atrocities in my classroom and I was suddenly authority to speak about them and I was absolutely not prepared back then and I found it really amazing and challenging that people just expected me to talk because I was from Bosnia and of course I know what happened but I was just a really child, I was 19, 18, 19 years old when war started and I was deeply traumatic and I never had any sort of counseling or never dealt with anything and suddenly I was in position to be asked to explain why we had war and I started thinking I don't really know why we had war and I don't know what really happened because I never wanted to think about it, I was just running away from all these thoughts and that's how that process started and once I started to write I just keep writing and keep publishing. And as a result, this, this year came out just last year. But it actually reflects probably on the last 20 years. And it talks, it talks about my experiences with war, but the main purpose or the main thinking behind this book is really, the, the title of the book is Surviving Peace, thinking why after 20 years I still live with these memories of the war. They seem as the, yes, the war was, um, ended as yesterday and, and it seems that it never actually ended. So I started to think about that concept of surviving peace. How do we, after the war and in this transition from the war to peace, actually feel that we don't feel really well or we, don't, um, we can't escape these memories, we have to do something with them even after all these years. Mm. Just while you were talking there, I remember a passage in the book where you're talking about at the start of the war, you and your friends, you were 18, 19, mm. you were just living a life in cafes, smoking yeah. cigarettes, just reading books, talking about things. Yeah. But there were this awful war was going on just in the neighboring country, but it didn't, you didn't feel like it had any 
business with, of yours at all. No, no. It's when war started, first started in Croatia, it was maybe just, uh, I don't know, 100 miles from Banja Luka, from my home city to Zagreb and, and to the border <coughs> of Croatia, even less. But it felt it is somewhere else because I was young, I was not really interested in politics and we didn't feel anything in the urban center because Banja Luka is a big city. Of course, villages already felt, you know, the war was already there. So I guess only when my brother was drafted into the war that it just hit me and then I was about to be drafted and went to collect uniform. And then my parents said, no, you can't go to war because your brother is already in war. So it, it needed some time actually to realize what's really happening. For some time we just didn't realize. It's very difficult to understand, like it seems very abstract. It is close, but you know, it was close, Croatia was not that far, but it, it didn't happen really in our little town. So we were just like, oh, it won't happen to us. We just couldn't imagine how that would look like. Hmm. I think that's very pertinent for all of us yes. in some ways because yes. it's that inability to actually empathize yes. or to realize that yes. these things are we're connected to it. Yes, that's true. So one of the things about this book is that <coughs> you're quite critical of Serbia in its present mm. situation and, and even you even go as far as being critical of your, fa your own father yeah. in the book. <coughs> how, how has that been for you to write that? Um, it's, it's been hard, and I have to admit it's still hard. Uh, the book is um, very politically sensitive still. It's not translated in my um, language or languages now. Uh, my uh, family uh, sort of knows what am I doing and don't know. Um, they are trying... They're, they're still in Serbia. They are in Bosnia and Herzegovina, but they are Serbs. <coughs> and my father, who was a communist before a war, he became fierce nationalist after the war. And we constantly fight over these issues, why we had war and who are the bigger, I mean, there is always victims, Serbs are the bigger victim, biggest victims in this war. So he has taken this very far right <coughs> view and I'm on totally opposite side. So it has been very difficult relationship. I'm very close to my father. He's a very important figure in my life. But this war really destroyed, as I, as I said, um, once you survive, the war and these things, you can really understand what does it mean, destruction of social fabric and, and family, because we just divided along these lines. And we can't find the language, so I cannot speak to my parents about war. I, can, I don't talk to my brother about war, we just don't talk about it. And they just pretend I'm just teaching in Australia, I'm, you know, lecture and just doing some teaching with students. They just ignore my work. And I think they are trying to protect themselves. So they as my father constructed all this narrative around Serbs as the biggest victims. And every time I write about this ritual, every year I go to Bosnia and Herzegovina to visit my parents. Every year I come, my father spends um, his year going to book launches, um, book launches by Serbian writers. And then he buys these books and he piles the books. And once I come to Bosnia, we sit down, we have coffee, and then he comes up and then he gives me like five kilos of all these crimes. And then <coughs> I said, you go back and I'll read this and then we talk. And I said, right, okay. And then he forced me actually to ship this book. So we go to post office and I have to pay, of course. So we <laughs> ship the books. And then once I come back to, to Brisbane, all these books are waiting for me in the office. So that happens every year. <coughs> it's just incredible. So then he would ask me, oh, did you read that book? What did you think of? I said, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did uh, read something. So I have the old, whole chapter, the second chapter called Traitor or <coughs> Truth Seeker. is about this really difficult relationship that we have, trying to 
convince each other about our own truth. And this is the, what's the problem with not just Bosnia, but all post-conflict countries that, and all different um, ethnic groups who were in war, they have their own truth, little truth, and they don't want this. They have this bubble of, you know, everyone is trying. So I'm trying to understand, everyone is trying to make sense of war. So I'm not, you know, um, necessarily blaming, you know, him as well. He's trying to make sense of his own world. and. But we just have these competing narratives and we just fight. And actually the last two years we just don't talk about it. So we just don't talk about war. So is it easier for you, do you think, to talk about this in English? I'm, 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 I'm really fascinated by this yeah. because um, you're not the only um, uh, former Yugoslavian writer. I've, read, I've, I've also read Alexander Heman, who I'm, yeah. I'm very fond, I think is a remarkable writer. Yeah. And both of you have this extraordinary command of English. And it mm. seems to me that to be starting to put the kind of complex ideas that both you and him are putting into into mm. uh, onto pa onto a page in a foreign language is an mm. extraordinary achievement. But it also must come with its own kind of dis dissonance, cognitive dissonance of some it's kind. A <laughs> <laughs> it's a struggle. It's a wrestle to write in English. English is not my language; it's my second language. So I have to thank a lot of my um, proofreaders and editors as well every time. But it's much easier because it's somehow aligned to me. I, I can't write, I, I would never be able, I think, really to write this book in my language for several reasons. But one reason is that <coughs> I'm sort of somehow emotionally detached when I write in English. It doesn't have that meaning. And it's also protection. It's a refugee for myself because my parents and most of my family, they don't speak and read English. So... <coughs> So they know that I kind of write something, and of course there's always one of family members who speak English, uh, who speak English, and they will say what I actually write, but they don't really read English and they don't speak English. But for me it's much easier to talk about emotions and feelings in English language than in my own. It gives me some sort of distance, detachment, emotional, and, and some sort of protection, I guess. Now, the thing about this is that we've only got 15 minutes to talk, and I, I've actually got a kind of like sheets of questions that I would like to ask you because mm. I, I found this book raised so many questions in my mm. mind. But I wonder, <coughs> you know, in the short time we've got mm. left, if you could just sum up what's actually happened there now. I mean, what's it like in that country now? Because you go back there every year. Yeah, I go back every year, and I published this um, the book last year, and it's the same as is this year. So some people and some reviewers said, oh, this is really... It's a pretty green book. It's, it's hard, um, I think, sometimes to read because it does talk about traumatic experiences, but it's very realistic. So I'm just plain and realistic about the country, and I, it doesn't really uh, has a happy ending. I say, oh, you know, now we all love each other and we're all great, and Bosnia is just a superb country. No, it's not. You know, it's a I think, unfortunately, I was just thinking about that today, that um, even if this book if I publish this book with the same ending in five years, it will be pretty much the same because we haven't resolved anything. So Bosnia, um, the war ended 20 years ago. This year was anniversary, 20 years um, of uh, genocide in Srebrenica, 20 years how we signed that peace agreement in November 1995. However, it seems like that <coughs> war is still ongoing, that's what I say, and, um, but with other means. So it's not anymore with guns, but it's with minds and hearts. Um, so there is a lot of, lot of unresolved issues and um, um, that I'm not really very optimistic. It's a very complex situation. I, I, we don't have time to go there. I don't want to go there. But I am 
pretty pessimistic what will happen. We have three languages. We are, I guess, we were more close maybe even during the war. Like, for example, my father during the war risked his life, life of his family to help his friends who were Muslims and Bosniaks during the war. Now he's far right. He doesn't want to know about his friends or anything else. So we've just went far off any sort of humanity and we can't find any agreement. We haven't resolved any causes of the war. And if you have constantly multiplied truths and if we cannot come to consensus, a little bit of consensus of what really happened to us, why it happened and, and who did what to whom, and to admit that yes, we are victims, but we are also perpetrators. So I write about the victimhood as a really big obstacle um, also for the reconciliation. If you are constantly in this role of the victim, that's not good as well. You have to somehow try to move on and try to empathize and say, yes, I survived this, but there are other people who survived similar things. And if that doesn't happen, if we cannot recognize the other people's pain, the pain from the other group, and everyone really suffered in a civil inter-ethnic wars, everyone suffered. Of course, some ethnic groups more, some less, but there were perpetrators on all sides and victims on all sides. So it is a pretty grim situation. I just came back from Bosnia after the anniversary of genocide in Srebrenica, and um, it doesn't really look good. There is a lot of denial. So Serbs, the majority of the Serbs still um, deny the genocide ever happened. Um, so there are all these uh, myths that it never happened and so on. So a lot of things to do. And, and still. the thing is, how do you get people to talk to each other? And, and I think what you're doing is possibly the best approach, which is actually to start yeah. a dialogue in some kind or other, or invite a dialogue. Yeah, but the thing that I've done with this book, and it's interesting because I write up till now, all my writing was about crimes committed by my own group, although I don't like to have this ad ethnic identity, it's not my first or third identity. And I, I usually say my parents are Serbs. Nevertheless, I write about crimes committed by my own group, and therefore I am a traitor for my own group. And in this book, I write mostly about the crimes uh, committed by my own group. However, I also do open question about the victimhood of Bo Bosniaks in, in Bosnia and Herzegovina. And I do raise some um, questions about the crimes committed towards Serbs. And I, in this process now, in last one year, I lost, I always lose my friend. Each time I publish something, I lost a <coughs> few more friends. So, and I was, <laughs> yeah, because it's very, very sensitive and they just don't, they support. So I was really good buddy and friend with the people who are in Bosnia community because I was writing about them as the victims. Now, because I somehow dared just to write a little bit and say, oh, look, maybe Serbs were also victims. Now I have few friends who actually don't are not friends anymore and they don't talk to me. And I didn't predict that. Really, I didn't just, I didn't think about that. And that's, as I said, the book is mostly about these other, but I did dare to tackle a little bit and say, yeah, look, maybe these other groups were victims too. And that cost me now, again, <laughs> losing these other friends. So it's a very tricky, it's, it's a bit difficult situation. You do have to walk a thin line and, and risk a lot with this writing. So. So a lot of people will say, like from former Yugoslavia, it's crazy you wrote this book, it's like I have written it, you know, it's my father is the same, but I would never write that. And if my father read this, he would say, don't, you know, have anything to do with her. So, yeah. Well, look, I commend you enormously for writing it. It's an act of great bravery and it's a, it's a great book as well. So 
Thank you for writing it. Thanks, thank you for coming to Melania. Thank, thank you, you for talking, talking to me. Thanks. Oliver thank Simmons. <laughs>